Welcome to Faith Community Church of Indianapolis. We pray that you are blessed by this message from Pastor John Roberts. To learn more about Faith Community Church, please visit us at FCCIndianapolis.com. Where Timothy said, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. Uh, Barclay's translation says that some are to be put to a noble use and some to an ignoble use. But it's not just that God chooses. He says in verse 21 at the end of it, or at the end of that passage, therefore if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. The way to go from a, a, a vessel of dishonor to a vessel of honor is to choose and to allow God to sanctify you or cleanse you from the works of the flesh. Quite literally, it means that we go from being a chamber pot that's filled with all uncleanness to the, the vessel that Peter talks about in 1 Peter chapter 3 when he says, Husbands, honor your wife as the weaker vessel. It's not that they're physically weak. It's that they are, it's a vessel that has a place of honor. Let's face it. As Christians, we're not weak. Physically, we're not weak. God says, let the weak say we're strong. But anything God calls me to do, he gives me the strength to do it. We're not physically weak, we're not emotionally weak, we're not uh, spiritually weak, but we, we, he's using that as a metaphor of a piece of fine china. We have an honored place in, in God's mind. God puts us in an honored spot. He says, you are a vessel of honor to me. But in actuality, again, that's a positional truth. To make that true in my life, I have to cleanse myself Paul said, cleanse yourself from the latter. What was he talking about? Not being entangled in the affairs of life and not disputing about words and context in 2 Timothy. We went through the parables, parable of the sower in, in particular, and there were several, but the one that really identified for me with most Christians is the thorny listener. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 22. He who received the seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. It's not that we are unfruitful, but we receive the word and the cares of the world primarily. There are just so many things to do. I have so many responsibilities. I have so little time. I'm just busy, 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 busy. And I got to worry about this and worry about that and worry about the other. And all of those cares and all of those worries crowd out the truth of the gospel that I've been redeemed, that God's blessed me, that he's made me the head and not the tail, that I am righteous. Remember, your righteousness positionally is in Christ. Doesn't mean we always walk righteously, but we can choose to walk righteously because we always have 1 John 1, 9. If we realize that we're over into unrighteousness, all we've got to do is confess it to the Father. He will cleanse us from all that unrighteousness, and we are right back in fellowship with Him. And I'm telling you, that just drives the devil crazy. 
He works for weeks and months and sometimes years to ensnare you and get you caught and get you to start walking out in unrighteousness and suddenly you realize, man, I'm back out in the mud, in the muck, in the mire. And you look at Jesus and what it took the devil years of plotting to get you in. You can get out in a heartbeat and get right back. Now, I will tell you, when that happens, your brain will tell you, oh no, you need to do penance. You, that can't be enough. You've got to have some punishment. And I think, wow. I, I know those, those thoughts are real because I've had those thoughts. We've all had those thoughts. I can't just step back into righteousness. I can't just serve the Lord. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. It's by faith. Your brain will fight you. Other Christians will want to tell you, no, 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 sorry, you're disqualified. And God says, if you confess it, I've cleansed you and you're qualified. Because I made you qualified. Not because you're something special, but because I'm something special. And my anointing and my calling on you is special. And I want you to get up out of the dust, brush yourself off, cleanse yourself, and get back to work. Because he needs you. He needs each of us. The body of Christ is not going to fulfill what God's called us to fulfill until we get to doing the work of the ministry. And he needs every one of us. We're all vital. If you don't think so, I had somebody just recently, they, I don't know if they stubbed their toe, they did something. And their toe was swollen and sore. And they were limping and they said, you know, it's amazing. That's a little tiny thing. But it hurts and it's driving me crazy and I just have a hard time getting anything done because my toes hurt. Well, you may be the little toe on the body of Christ, but if you're out of joint and you're out of place, the body of Christ doesn't work the way it's supposed to work. So it doesn't matter how, where you put yourself. Remember, Jesus says you're a vessel of honor. And then we looked, um, the best example was, was with Saul, comparing Saul and David, and how they, they reacted when they were called on their sin. Saul made excuses. David said, you're right. Now, to be honest with you, just from the natural looking at it, I would put David's sin much more serious than Saul's sin. Saul basically disobeyed God's word, and he, he, he performed sacrifices, which he wasn't anointed to do. And he didn't fully comply with how God said to deal with the Amalekites. David either raped or put pressure on Bathsheba to have <laughs> relations. Got her pregnant, murdered her husband. He's a murderer, an adulterer, and probably a rapist. And yet God said he's a man after my own heart. And Saul, he said, sorry, this cost you your kingdom. And it ended up, it cost him his life. It cost his kids their lives, with the exception of uh, Mephibosheth. That was it. And yet on the surface, I look at David, it's much worse. But Saul just wanted to make excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse until God said, or Samuel told him, this is your punishment. Then once the punishment got, oh, I'm, I'm repenting now. 
I'm sorry, too late. The second Nathan confronted, confronted David with his sin, David said, you're right, I'm guilty. God had mercy on me. And God said, that's what I'm looking for. Someone who will fall on their knees and repent the second I bring, bring it to them. And he, he, it never cost him the kingdom. In fact, the son of David is on the throne of Israel for all eternity. Amen? But let's go back to 1 Peter. And I want to look at chapter 5. 1 Peter, we looked at, at uh, chapter 3 where, where Jesus said that the wives were supposed to be submissive to their husband. We've already discussed that. does not mean they have to obey everything. It's an attitude. The reason I know it's an attitude is we're supposed to also be submissive one to another. And if you're submissive one to another, it can't always just be obedience because most people can't agree on what they're supposed to do. And if I say we're supposed to go right, you say we're supposed to go left, we can't both get in obedience to different directions. But we can be respectful and have a quiet and, and peaceful heart towards one another. That's true submission. Amen? But in... in um, 1 Peter chapter 5, the first uh, four verses talk about requirements for the elder. We're not going to go through those. But in verse 5, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. That's the picture of submission, being humble. Why? Because in Proverbs, it says, God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. When when you start to get arrogant, it's my way or the highway. God will resist you. You don't have to worry about other people resisting you. God will plant, firmly plant himself in your way and say, sorry, but you're in the way of pride, and I will not let you go down that road. And he will stop you, whatever it takes. Verse 6 says, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. You got to be patient. When, when God calls you to do something, just endeavor to do it. And if He wants to exalt you, you will be exalted. But you're, don't get your finger in that pot. Don't try to help God out. It's what Abraham did, what Sarah did. God said, the, 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 the promised seed is coming through you. And Sarah said, this ain't working. He's 90. I'm, I'm in my late 60s, 70s. We've never had a child. We've been married for years. It's not going to work. Here, take my handmaiden. That must be what God meant. And Ishmael was born out of it. And they're still fighting <laughs> that fight. Amen? So don't try to help God out. Just humble yourself. Do what he's called you to do. And when it's time for you to get promoted, he will promote you. Amen? Then verse 7, he gives you an example of how to do that. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now this is an interesting picture here. Um, and I can't pronounce the, the word. But it's the, the, the Greek word there for casting, literally the picture of that is that you have a beast of burden. You have a load that you cannot carry. It's way too heavy for you to, to go very far with. But you are required to pick that load up and then roll that load over on the beast of the burden. A mule, usually. 
or a burrow, look out of an animal. And then you walk alongside that, that animal. It's carrying the load because you're not designed to carry that load. And Jesus said it uh, in Matthew 11, 29, 20, and 30. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is, is light. But he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle, lowly in heart, humble, and you will find rest for your souls, for your my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's saying, you want to be humble? Then take the load that you were never designed to carry and roll it over on me and just walk beside me and let me carry the responsibility and you just walk it out. That's the faith walk. I declare what Jesus said is mine is mine. But I don't have power one to heal anybody, myself included. So I don't have to work out my healing. I don't have to work out my prosperity. I don't have to work out me getting promoted. What I have to do is roll the responsibility. Jesus, it's your responsibility to take all that. You gave me the promise. I'm believing you for the promise. I'm going to get my mouth right. But a lot of times our words were entrapped and snared by the words of our mouth. But I'm just going to walk beside you and let you carry the responsibility. I declare I'm healed because your word says I am. Well, I certainly don't feel like it. Who cares what you feel like? Doesn't matter. But it's his responsibility to do it. It's not now. Now. Don't misunderstand me. There is, that, that does not mean that if you get an illness, you can't take medicine. Or you're out of faith if you take medicine. Been a lot of idiots die doing that. Amen? Because the responsibility is his to get you healed. You don't put your faith in not taking medicine. You put your faith in Jesus, who is your healer. There is a difference. Now, if God tells you, I want you to put this down, then put it down. But you better make sure it's God. And he will not get on you if you wait a while to make sure you heard from heaven before you put away any medicine that you've been prescribed for whatever's going on. Amen? You're, you're on, on dangerous territory. In fact, I will give you personal testimony. Most of you know I had a heart attack. And somebody asked me one time, well, was it a severe heart attack or a mild heart attack? And I said, well, let me give you my definition. Any heart attack you have is mild. Any heart attack I have is severe. <laughs> but when I finally woke up to the fact that I'm in the midst of a heart attack, because I had the symptoms for two hours and just kept telling myself, I'm 46. I can't be having a heart attack. Nobody has a heart attack in their mid-40s. It just doesn't happen. But I knew I was having the signs. It's just I was in denial. By the time I really woke up to the fact, you're having a heart attack, dummy. I was 50 miles from a hospital, out in the middle. Our church was literally in the middle of nowhere. I had to drive three miles to get to the first house. But I'm standing there. I'm supposed to cut up a limb that fell out of a tree because we're going to have a, a fellowship after church the next Sunday. And I'm clearing the debris. And I'm standing in my trunk looking at the chainsaw thinking... I could go down there and just act out my faith, go to work, heal people, go to work, and God will heal me. And God spoke to me just as clear as a bell. 
He said, John, you can operate your faith whether you go down and cut that tree or you go to the hospital. If you go down there and cut that tree limb up and your faith fails, if you're not ready to receive this, you're going to die right there. If you operate in faith on your way to the hospital, if you don't have the faith to receive instant healing, then at least you've got the doctors to try to get you through to your faith and start operating. It only took me about half a second to decide I'm my faith on the way to the hospital. And the thing was, we, we were scheduled to go the next weekend to a, a, a conference with Rama pastors, because I was affiliated with Rama. And we had to call and say, look, we can't get there. We paid for our tickets, give them to somebody else. And they said, well, why can't you be there? And Gina explained to them, and through a couple intermediaries, Brother Hagen sent, out, sent me a message and said, thank God you had enough sense to go to the hospital. In the last year, we've lost 10 Rama pastors because they decided, I'm in the midst of heart attack, but I'm going to stand on the word. And I'm not going to the doctor, and I'm not going to the hospital, and none of them made it. And those are people that have been raised in the word of faith, but they weren't fit to, take, to tackle that at that time. And so they didn't go seek help, and they didn't make it. They went on to heaven. So don't ever feel guilty about going and seeking medical help. God, you just exercise faith either way. Amen? But he said, cast all your care. Roll that care over on Jesus. But notice what it says. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Part of that casting, that, that word for care, means just what it did in Matthew 13 in the parable of the sower. It's fretting, worrying, and being constantly on your mind. How, how's this going to work out? How's this going to work out? And it so distracts you that you can't, you can't stay in faith because you're distracted with the cares of this. But notice, why does he tell us to cast our cares over on him? Because he's worrying, and he's fretting, and he's hovering. The picture I get is the picture of, of the Holy Spirit in Genesis. It says he hovered on the waters of the earth and the creation when God was creating the earth. The Holy Spirit hovered above the waters. He was working, a horrible word, but, but let me just use the phrase. He was working his magic on the earth to bring forth life. That's the picture of what God does. He said, you quit acting like you're the Holy Spirit in your life, and it's your responsibility to take care of all this stuff, and you let me worry about it, because I'm fit to carry that load. I'm fit to handle that weight. I've got the power, and you don't. So I'm casting all of my care. Then notice verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Notice he says, first thing, be sober. Now in this context, he's not talking about being drunk with alcohol. He does, Paul in, in, in Ephesians, says, don't be drunk with wine, because in that is dissipation. You will dissipate your spiritual authority if you want to consume large quantities of alcohol. But he's not talking in context here about alcohol, other than he's using it as a metaphor. What he's talking about, and, and there's even, the world has, there's one old country song that talks about Billy's got his beer goggles on. If you know that, understand that reference. You take the group of the ugliest guys you can imagine, 
and the ugliest group of girls you can imagine. And you put them in a bar and they're all stone cold sober and they're gonna look at each other and say, ain't no way, no hookups happen tonight. But you let them start drinking and the more they drink, the better looking at her the crowd looks. That's their beer goggles. Alcohol will distort your vision of reality. It will make you think that something that's ugly looks good. And I'm not just talking about people. It will, alcohol will make you see the world in a way that it doesn't look in actuality. The same thing, that's what Peter is referencing here when he says be sober. He's saying you've got to cast your cares over on the Lord because if you try to carry your cares, you're going to get drunk with those cares and it's going to distort your vision of reality. You're going to think that you're a down and outer. You're going to think that you're worthless. You're going to have visions that I can't make it, that this is never going to happen. God's called me to do this and this and this and this and it's not happening. Why? Because you're drunk with cares. And just like he said in, in, in Matthew with the parable of the sower, the cares of that world will, are choking out the fruit of the word. Why? Because that's all you see. All you see is problem, 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 instead of seeing answer, answer, answer. You see problems, he sees blessings. He's got the, he's got the power and he's inclined to give you the blessings. Remember, just let's go back there real quick. Deuteronomy 28, verse 28, or excuse me, verse 8. These first 14 verses talk about the blessings of keeping the law. Now, none of us have kept the law perfectly, except in Christ. He kept the law perfectly, and if I'm in him, I have the rights and the blessings of all of his, because I'm a joint heir with Christ. What am I an heir of? I'm an heir of these blessings. Verse 8 says, The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouse, storehouses and in all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. That You have a right to that. God is commanding the blessing in your life. Well, I just don't see it. It's because you're caught up in the cares. You're carrying the weight of trying to get this there, and it's not your it's not your job. It's not your job to make it manifest. It's your job to believe Him and declare that what God says is going to be real in my life. His blessing is bigger than me. And to be honest with you, half the time you don't really have to worry about the devil because you're your own worst enemy. Especially when you go around with the mulligrams and want to tell everybody how miserable you are. If you're constantly talking about your problem, if you're talking constantly talking about how you can't, you can't, you can't, you're talking about the wrong thing. You're caught up in the cares of this life. You need to get caught up in his blessing. Lord, thank you. You're commanding blessing in my life, and I've got it. I have it right now. Well, boy, brother, you don't look very blessed. I don't care what it looks like. My circumstances have to change to agree with what he says. Well, how are you going to change them? I'm not. That care belongs to him. I roll that over on him. He's in charge of changing my circumstances. And if he can't get them changed, 
not going to happen. If God's not big enough to change my body or change my circumstances, well, brother, it's, it's been a long time. God never said it would be easy. He never said it would be quick. He just said, keep believing me. And when you find that you're off track and you're caught up in the cares of the world again, run over to 1 John 1, 9 and say, Lord, I'm off in sin again. I caught caught up in the cares of this life. Forgive me. And he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And you get right back up on that horse, horse of faith and you start riding out faith again. Amen? But why do we do this? Because we have an adversary. It's not just that, that the world is against you, but you've got an enemy that loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And you have to be aware of him. You resist him steadfast in the faith. That's verse 9. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. And may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. Now, I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep saying it. When he says, after you have suffered a while, he's not talking about suffering things that he paid the price for. There are things that we have to suffer because Jesus suffered them as our example. Persecution, tribulation, sometimes want. Sometimes sleepless nights because God's called you, woke you up in the middle of the night, called you to pray for somebody. Don't you dare go back to sleep until you pray through on that. Sometimes he's called you to, to maybe work long hours in your prayer closet or counsel someone that you're just sick of counseling. I've talked to them and talked to them and talked to them and they're just not listening. Keep talking. Keep preaching. Keep encouraging Keep praying for them. Let's face it, God hasn't given up on you. Don't give up on others. Amen? Amen. But after we have suffered those things, now I'm not suffering sickness and disease. I'm not going to suffer in poverty. Those things I'm resisting the devil on. Why? Because Jesus paid the price for that. He went to the cross as my substitute. And if he substituted himself, I'm not going to be dumb enough to crawl up on the cross Take this place. I read an article this, this week. I cannot believe that I even read it. But in the Philippines, they, they literally took people, hung them on crosses, and drove nails through their hands and their feet and hung them up. Guys would march down the street with um, flails and flail themselves on the back, beat themselves raw. Why? Because they were trying to show their devotion for Christ and get forgiveness of sins. Jesus was beaten. Jesus was crucified for the forgiveness of my sins. Only the stupid, the terminally stupid, if you would, would beat themselves when Jesus has already taken the beating. You don't need to do anything to gain forgiveness except accept it. And then spit in the devil's eye when he comes and tells you, you're not forgiven. Your sin was too big. No, it wasn't. It was not. He, Jesus, notice, verse 10 again. May the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory. God wants to manifest his glory in you. He put his Holy Spirit in you. Now I've heard people use the expression before, 
Jesus is the Son, and we're the moon, and we reflect His glory. There's a truth to that. But even more important, He's put His glory on the inside of you. Just like the temple in Jerusalem, when, when um, uh, Solomon dedicated the temple, the glory fell, and the priest couldn't minister for the glory. He's got, you've got the creator of the universe living on the inside of you. And he, want to, he wants to manifest his glory out of you as a sign to the unsaved of what he has to offer. And when we will allow him to do that, he will do it. He wants to do it. After he can do that, then he will perfect us. Then he will establish us. Then he will strengthen and settle us. All of those things are ours now. We just have to believe Him for it. Thank you so much for joining us. If this message has blessed you today, we invite you to visit us in person at Faith Community Church or online at FCCIndianapolis.com.